0: How you guys
1: doing? Awesome, man. Hey, I'm Scott, grateful believer in Jesus Christ and recovered from sex addiction and compulsive overeating. Hi, Scott. Man, I have some information that I need to share because, unfortunately, there's been a member of our uh, family here who's passed away, and uh, it's one of those things, man, in recovery. um, It works if you work it, and at some point, sometimes uh, things don't go well. And uh, uh, it's unfortunate, but there is a member of our ministry here that uh, passed away, and we're having a celebration of life for him. His name is uh, Charles Stoner. Uh, Some of you may know him, um, but they are having a memorial service. You may know him as Charlie. Um, And I'm trying to get the address, but I know it's somewhere. But anyhow, hey, if you want information on that, here's how I'm going to go. Mitch and Cindy, talk to them. It'll be on our website tomorrow, on Facebook tomorrow. That way you guys can have all the information instead of me scrolling through a lot of stuff. But um, uh, just a great reminder for us um, that the next time we go drink, the next time we go stick the needle in our arm, the next time we eat that Big Mac, um, maybe the last time. And, uh, you know, I just, I encourage you, man. Um, It works if you work it, so work it. Because you're worth it, right? We are, and you are. So let me pray, and then we will continue our evening. Lord, thank you for tonight. Thank you for um, the fact that we have an opportunity to gather here. We're in this room, and uh, none of us are in here because we're perfect. And uh, we need your help. And so, Lord, as we look at step 11 and what that means and how we can uh, take a moment to to give some gratitude is, is just huge. It's huge in our life. And so, Lord, will you just be with us this evening and uh, speak through me in Jesus' name? Amen. amen. All right, so tonight is principle seven, right? That's one of the confusing things. You're a 12 step program, but with sober recovery, there's eight principles as well. So, the seventh principle says this it says, Reserve a daily time with God for self examination, Bible reading, and prayer in order to know God and His will for my life and to gain the power. To follow his will. That we would do that. That's what step 11 is about. That's what principle 7 is about. It's about doing that stuff. Maintaining our conscious contact with God. We've talked about it the last month. It is about doing spartzla. If you don't know what spartzla is. Go back and listen a couple weeks ago to a lesson. Uh, It's about doing those things. Spending time in the word. Spending time in prayer. Right? Uh, Step 11 says this. We sought through prayer and meditation. To improve our conscious contact with God. Praying only for uh, knowledge of his will for us, and power to carry that out. Man, that's huge. That's huge. The verse that goes with that is up there. It says, Colossians 3.16, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. And so that's what uh, principle seven and step 11 is all about. That's what we're talking about tonight. But how do we do that? How do we do that Practically. I mean, we talk about it. I can give you some formulas. I can go over soap, which is uh, scripture, observation, application, prayer. I can go over acts and how to pray, you know, adoration, confession, thanksgiving, supplication. I can go over those things and give you a cool little formula. But if you don't do it, it don't work. It's just like working out. I can think about doing crunches all day long. But it don't get my abs of flexing. I guarantee that. Now, when I have to sit up out of my comfy chair, then there's a little crunch, but I just don't do enough of them. Um, it's too comfy. I lay back in it and rock. It's awesome. Um, but here's the question I have for you. Actually, before I get to that question, I want to talk a little bit about backroads. My wife and I, a couple years ago, we did a trip to Missouri. Some people pronounce it misery but um, I'm just saying, and we went to we went out of our way because we were reading books with our little kids, and there was just the greatest ball of twine. Ball of twine. It was awesome. So we went like thousands of miles out of our way. Just kidding. I like to exaggerate. I know I'm a preacher, that's what happens. But we go out of our way, we go up into the Dakotas and come back down, and somewhere, I forget what state it was, we pull into this town. To see this largest ball of twine there's this gift shop supposedly there's all this stuff there wasn't even a stoplight in this town it was a back road and we pull in and I'm like no other cars around literally pull in I go all right ready to go (laughs) and uh, we start looking for this um, gift shop that's been boarded up it was great Um, but here's the thing man it was those memories see I just wanted to get there quick get there do it be done over let's get back on the road and let's roll out you know what I mean be like Optimus Prime and roll out right that's what he always said it's all that kind of stuff but here's the thing in my life I'm so much about the highways Get on the highway and go. I want to get to San Francisco. I remember I was in high school, and I got to San Francisco in an hour and 15 minutes. Ah, That was awesome. You go now, and it's like four hours to get there. It's crazy. It's insane. It takes forever. But I want those quick, immediate gratifications. I want to get there. But one of the most relaxing things about this vacation really was the back roads. Taking the back roads through Kansas where every field looks the same. <laughs> but there was something relaxing about seeing corn. Go by your window. Oh, there's some corn. corn. Some more corn. More corn. <laughs> more corn. <laughs> it was great. And then we, after we stayed with her parents for a while, we went down to Waco, Texas. And I'm all, why are we going to Waco? Isn't that where they drank the Kool-Aid? No, we went there because of, what, I, what was it? That, huh? Magnolia. Magnolia Farms. Like, I didn't even know what that was. But some of you ladies know what that is. It's really expensive stuff. And I walked in the store and I went, this is 100 bucks. I can make that at home. Yeah. And so I came back and did it. And now I got a good barbecue tray I walk around with and cost me 10 bucks. It was awesome. But it went from Magnolia Farms to... My stop, Tombstone. Yeah, if you've ever seen the movie, you got to go to Tombstone. I went to Tombstone, but we literally took back roads all the way through Texas. When I thought Kansas was rough, <laughs> Texas was worse. And we made it there, and it was a nice process. There was great bonding. There was great stuff like that. But because we did these side trips, everything was back roads. I just drove my son to Oklahoma, and I got there in two days. Got Yeah, it usually took three or four days. Before, it took two days. We hopped on the road, drove 12 hours, and crashed in a hotel, got up, and drove 12 more hours. Boom, we made it. That's what we want in our life. That's what we want in recovery. We walk in these rooms and we want the simpler, easier way. We walk in the rooms and we say, give me healing. I'm done with my alcohol. I'm done with my sex. I'm done with pornography. I'm done with overeating. I'm done with controlling other people. We want the instant. Well, I admitted it. Isn't that enough? But there's something to learn about being on the back roads of our recovery to get there in a slow process. And I know sometimes it's boring as all get out. I'm still on the fourth step. A month later, yeah, I'm still on the fourth step. Right? Start talking to your sponsor. They may help you through it. Sometimes you're like, this is boring. Why am I still struggling with the same issue? Well, there's stuff that we learn in these back roads. The connection, the intimacy, the journey that we're in. God does amazing work. Some of you have done that journey. We just saw like 14 women on stage who have done that journey together. What some people could do, I could get that book and I could go through those workbooks and I could be done in a month. Boom! They took a year. Yeah, about that. Some of them are like, well, maybe nine months. I don't know. I don't know how long it was, but it's about a year. I say about a year. So that's how it is. But here's my question in your journey How do you handle pain in your life? How do you handle pain? Because for me, I am horrible at handling pain. I like to think I'm tough. I like to think I'm good at handling pain. And I can handle physical pain. You can smack me in the face and I'm good. It's okay. Punch me. It's No, please don't tonight. I'd rather not come to work tomorrow with a black guy. But here's the thing. um, In my life, if there's an emotional pain, what do I do? I go immediately to the gratification that's going to shortcut all the work. I wanna go to porn, I wanna go to food, I wanna go to gossip, I wanna go to character defects, I wanna go through all my stuff so I can shortcut and get to healing or what I call healing, but really it's coping and just numb out that pain. That's what I wanna do. And I'd love to tell you I'm perfect in it, I'm not. Today I've been struggling with depression. So at five o'clock I went and got an energy drink and I popped an energy drink And I'm like, I hope this helps me. (laughs) I shortcutted the system. Maybe God's trying to teach me something. Maybe he's trying to teach me to take it slow. Well, Pastor Scott Miller, my predecessor, often referred to a book called The Gift of Pain. And that gift of pain book was written by Paul Brand, Dr. Paul Brand, and Philip Yancey. Dr. Brand was the leading authority on leprosy in America. He did lots of stuff. Born in India, raised in India in the 1930s is when he was born, I think, 20s, 30s, something like that. Then he went, to, when he was going to secondary school, I think that's what they call it over there. No, it's probably college, I don't, uni, I don't know what they call it, in Britain. Um, but here's the thing is, it was during World War II where they were getting bombed, blitzkrieg, all that kind of stuff, people getting blown up. Then he came to America after that. He saw a lot of people dealing with pain in different ways. Here's what he has to say about people in India and how they handled pain. They just had to endure it. Because there was no hope to get out of pain. The reality was they were born into pain. Their life handed them their lot. Here's your lot. Deal with it. There was no hope. It's not like they could go get a better job somewhere. It's their class of life. This is where we are at. You're bottom of the rung. Sorry. Deal with it. And they didn't have any way to avoid it. They just had to meet it face on. I was talking to one of our missionaries, and he talked about one of his trips there, where literally in one day he saw like three or four people dead on the side of the road, and people didn't stop. Traffic, (laughs) dead dude sitting right in the middle of the road. Gets out, goes and gets the body, moves it to the side of the road. Just what happens. They have to endure it. They don't know how to deal with it. No way to avoid it. Then when he was in England, this is what he had to say about the Britons, the Brits. He said this. They had joy when blitzkrieg was going on. Why? Because they had a common cause. They had a common cause. You talk to football players after the big grueling battle on the football field, and they find joy because they had a chance to battle it out together. They had a common goal. We find joy in our open share groups because we have a common cause, a common goal. In our step studies, the same thing, and we have find connection and bonding in those moments. And this is what he had to say about the United States. They don't have any pain. And when they do have pain, they don't even know how to deal with it. That sounds like me. Emotional pain, first thing I do is I run. Run for cover. Duck and hide. Duck and hide. How do you handle pain? I mean, the big book of AA, page 58, it says this. We thought we could find an easier, softer way, but we could not. With all the earnestness at our command, we beg of you to be fearless and thorough from the start. Are you looking for that softer, easier, gentler way? The highway, so to speak? Or are you willing to do whatever it takes to find freedom and healing from the pain in your life? Are you willing to take the back roads to where you got to go? My son, my oldest son, Silas, he loves driving on back roads. We would do day trips and stuff like that. And I'm like, when we're starting to head home, I'm like, you guys want me to hop on the highway, freeway, and head back and get there? And he's always like, no, take the slow road, just go the back roads, I wanna see the scenery. I'm like, dude, it's dark out. He's like, I can still see. I'm like, young guys have the eyes, man. What in the world? I can't see nothing. Are we gonna do that journey that we know that will be successful? Why? Because so many people have taken that journey before us and have walked that road. I hope and I, I pray that that's you. Well, There's four areas that we can talk about tonight that we can start to give gratitude, the attitude of gratitude. That's what it comes down to. One of the ways that we start to deal with pain is changing our attitude, the way we think. First thing, when a marriage couple comes in and they start talking to me, I start telling them their homework assignment, one of the first things they gotta do is go home and on a daily basis tell their spouse something that they appreciate about them. And after day three, they're like, I don't have anything else. I'm like, it doesn't matter. Just simply say, hey, thanks for brushing your teeth. That's awesome. Sometimes that's all we got, right? Because we know there's that funk breath going on, and it is crazy sometimes. And we got to be able to at least appreciate it. What do you appreciate about things? Well, the first area, the first category is to be thankful to God. I'm that kid that always asked, why? 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 You know the kid you want to smack? Yeah. Why? Exactly. Why? Right? I was that guy. It wasn't usually because I was agreeing with what was told me. It's usually because I was disagreeing with what I was being told, and I wanted to challenge that. Why? Right? Right? Why am I made like that? I don't know, but God made me like that. Even to this day, I still ask why. Why? In my job, they tell us, hey, you need to do this. And I said, why? (laughs) Every time. And it drives me insane sometimes, but that's how God made me. God would do stuff. I never ask, "Hey God, why'd you give me three thousand dollars extra?" Yeah, can you explain that to me? No. Usually, I'm like, "Woohoo!" Right? Aren't you? But when God takes our family members, that's when we sit back and go, "Why, God? Why did you allow this to happen? Why did you allow me to get molested as a child? Why did you allow this abuse to happen to me? Why did you do this? Why did this happen?" I'm like Jonah, if you're familiar with Jonah's story, no, I didn't stay in the belly of a, a fish f- for three days, but I'm that guy who went and preached the gospel to people, and then I'd go camp up on a hill, and I would judge them in their response and be mad when they repented and turned to the Lord, because I thought it should have been done a different way. I was that guy. I know I'm sick. That's why I'm in recovery. But what are you thankful to God for? Philippians 4.6 says this, do not be anxious about anything but in everything by prayer and petition. With thanksgiving, present your requests to God. What two areas of your life have you seen God work? What two areas of your life? I've seen God work in my marriage, with my wife, used to be just a friend, a buddy, and then it turned into something a little bit more, and then it just became, a, I think, the phrase they use now, well, now they're just roommates, right? We just live and cohabitate. There's really nothing else there. We've had those moments in our life. But now we have chances to go out and have intimacy, connection, bonding that happens. Other areas of my life is, man, I'm not nearly as stressed to being found out. Why? Because I'm living an honest program to the best of my ability. Next category is this, be thankful for others. Be thankful for other people. Here's what scripture has to say about that. It says this in the message version, Colossians three fifteen and 16, let the peace of Christ keep you in tune with each other, in step with each other, None of this going off and doing your own thing and cultivate thankfulness. Let the word of Christ, the message, have the run of the house. Basically, cultivate thankfulness. Who in your life are you thankful for? Right here, I had a chance twice today to listen to two messages from Scott Miller. I'm extremely thankful for Scott Miller. Extremely thankful that Scott was used by God to bring Celebrate Recovery into this church. The fact that I had a chance to work 14 years with that man and have him invest into me the way that he did. Was it always perfect? Was it always happy and joyful? No, because I always was that guy asking why, why? But I'm extremely thankful that God brought me into Scott's life, that Scott would invest the way he did into me. And for many of you, you can be thankful for that same thing. I'm also extremely thankful for my two accountability partners that I have that we meet every single Wednesday and we talk. Those are the two people that I would say are crucial for my recovery and my life. And I love those men. Because when I'm struggling, when I'm hurting, when whatever it is, they lift me up. And when they're hurting and they're struggling, I get a chance to lift them up. There's a lot more on my list. I can think of my wife, my children. I can think of the guys that have gone through a step study with my open share group guys. I can think of the guys that um, I sponsor. I think of my sponsor. But who are you specifically thankful for and why? The third category is this. Be thankful for your recovery. You remember your beginning days. If you're here for the first time, you're not very thankful for your recovery. You're going, when does this get over? Don't worry, it does end. It won't go all night, but enjoy. Remember those first days, do I have to go to another meeting? Oh, it's Tuesday again. <laughs> right? I was like that. There was a period of time where I was like, dude, do I really need to? What can I do to get out of this? What can I do to not go? But there's a moment in time where that switched and I was so grateful that I had a chance to come and be a part of this. So grateful that Tuesday nights are here and I have a chance to come and be here. Hebrews chapter 12, verse one says this. As for us, we have this large crowd of witnesses around us. So then let us rid ourselves of everything that gets in the way and the sin which holds on to us so tightly. And let us run with determination the race that lies before us. This is the race. This is the journey we are on. What are you thankful for about it? What two areas of recent growth are you thankful for and why? You'd have a chance to think about that in your own life and be able to respond. For me, it's just picking up that phone. I used to keep it inside all the time, and I would wait and wait, and I'd get pent up with all this angst. I would be very vexed. and i Big word, right? Look at that. She laughed at that one. That was a good one. Um, Be vexed. I'd be upset and angry. And then it would explode, usually come out the side of my neck through anger or, or addiction, but... Now I'm picking up the phone, I'm making the phone calls today, just struggling, calling my wife. She's all, what's wrong? You never call me. I know. I just need to talk. Just being able to talk and have her listen is huge. I see growth in me in that. Fourth category is this. Be thankful for your church. What are you thankful for in your church? I mean, the church in and of itself has probably caused a lot of pain in our lives. I know for me, that was some of the deepest hurts of my life was when I would confess my sin and I was met with rejection. You struggle with what? You can't say those words in church. <laughs> I know you thought the same thing first time I said I was a sex addict from stage. I know. <laughs> right? I was abandoned. I was rejected. I was hurt. So I know that within the word church, and what are you thankful for, that there would be some frustration and pain in that. But what are the good things? I know for me, I'll get to that in a minute, but here's here's what it says. Psalm 100 verse 4. Enter the temple gates with thanksgiving. That you would enter the church with thanksgiving. The thing that I love about my church is the fact that I love our worship. I specifically love Tuesday night worship. I love the energy, I love the volume. I know some of you may not like the volume. It's OK, but I love the volume. Part of it is because I'm going deaf and so I need it louder in order to hear it. I get it. And also, I love the fact that our church holds us to the Word of God as the Word of God. And there's no compromise on the Word of God. And I love those two things about our church. What do you love about the church? What do you hold fast to? What are you thankful for? Something to think about. We're going to close here with the serenity prayer, but halfway through the serenity prayer, it says this, that we may be reasonably happy in this life. Reasonably happy. If we were to walk around like the Raiders won the Super Bowl every day, <laughs> it's like those movies you watch where Christmas happens every day right it goes insane it loses its oomph but here's the thing that we may be reasonably happy in this life following the word of God working our recovery applying scripture to our life building a relationship with God with ourselves and with other people and when we're able to do that we will not only be reasonably happy in this life, but be supremely happy with him forever in the next. Let's stand and let's close with the serenity prayer, and then we'll let you guys go and head off to group. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Living one day at a time, Enjoying one moment at a time, accepting hardship as a pathway to peace, taking as Jesus did this sinful world as it is, not as I would have it. Trusting that you will make all things right if I surrender to your will, so that I may be reasonably happy in this life and supremely happy with you forever in the next. Amen. 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 Thank you. First time guests right across the hallway.